Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. All right, you made it to the end of another week. So did we. That's something anyway. We could build on that, right? There's something there. Uh, Today on The Nose, we're going to be talking about the uh, social media outage. Remember that? Remember how horrible it was? No, probably not. Um, But it did happen this week. Uh, We're also going to be talking about the way in which people meld their TV preferences with conversation. And if you can't talk to anybody about a TV show that you're watching, are you really having a television experience? That wasn't a very good explanation, but presumably I'll do better when we actually get to it. We also went to the movies. We saw Captain Marvel, uh, and some of us are excited about it, and others of us have other feelings about it. And when I say we and us, I mean Susan Bigelow, librarian, columnist for CT News Junkie, and a science fiction fantasy novelist. Jim Chapdelaine is an Emmy Award-winning musician, producer, composer, and recording engineer, and a patient advocate for people with rare cancers. And Carolyn Payne is an actress, comedian, and dancer, and she is founder, director, Director and choreographer of Kinetic Dance. So yes, we will begin. We will, we will begin with this theoretical, anyway, emergency that bestrode the entire world. Uh, it was uh, maybe 14 hours long. I think some things might have stayed broken even longer than that. Uh, it affected Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. Um, messenger, um, because they're all basically the same thing, but people don't even know that. Uh, But Susan, as somebody who was a very early adopter of all kinds of digital media, I I don't, I I mean, I mean you. Um, I I first knew you as a blogger. Um, I don't know. This, you know, I think we have this thing in our heads, this notion that we've become completely dependent on social media. But this experience would suggest otherwise. It kind of does. I I think if all social media sort of went away, uh, like if this was a Twitter outage too and YouTube died, that might be something different. But it's amazing how few people I know actually noticed that there was even an outage. I know that I tried to post a really witty comment with a GIF and (laughs) that it didn't. It didn't post, and I was like, you know what, the heck with it, and went away. Apparently, there was a big whole outage, and everyone was freaking out. Um, it is a different reaction. I feel because of, I feel like the reaction was pretty muted. I, it was a different reaction to when this happened, like a couple of years ago. Everyone got much more concerned and worried. But maybe we just are like, oh, okay, it's broken. Good. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I. I Sometimes in uh, I've been giving a kind of lecture a few times recently, Jim, where I say, imagine that there's a switch on the wall, and if I pull that switch, we'll go back pre-digital media. You'll you'll have sort of like Walter Cronkite and two newspapers in your town, but you won't have any of this other stuff. How many people want to throw the switch? It's interesting. I mean, it's older people who want to do it, but it, a lot of people do want to throw the switch. It is not as though they feel that they've arrived in the promised land here. Well, one of the comments that was uh, going back and forth uh, in preparation to discuss this, which I also did not notice, um, was uh, was exactly what you were talking about, and maybe having a mandatory day off yeah. or taking a vacation. Carolyn, I think and I it's are a good idea. That idea. Yeah. yeah, I think there's so much less um, 
nobody really cared. I don't think anybody cared at all. And given the scope of the sort of conspiracies that were uh, inundated with daily, I would have thought that this would have risen quickly to something uh, conspiratorial. But I think it was just a bad server or something like that. Um, it didn't affect my life at all, and I don't know anyone <laughs> whose life it affected. Well, there were people calling nine one one, and you know, I mean, you know. Well, so I I was really busy on Wednesday, and I I think I would have noticed. I mean, I wouldn't have been freaking out, but I I definitely would have noticed and continued to like try to log on. Um, and when I did realize like it was down, I I. You know, I was like, oh, I, first I thought it was my phone. And then I was I was in the car and I was listening to Z100 because um, I, I was in the city. And they started talking about the social media outage. And they had people calling in to express how they were feeling about it. Mm-hmm. And this one woman called in and said, well, I took a nap. And the guy's like, oh, because she's like, well, I don't normally I'm not normally able to nap during the day because I'm too nervous about missing what's happening on the radio and I was on the social media. This woman called into the radio to admit that. Like, that's a cry for help. She can't nap because she's so nervous she's missing something on social media. I'm hoping it was like a joke call. Um, But it was interesting. So I was listening to these people, like, call in and talk about the stress that they were under not having their Instagram for a couple hours. Um, And that made me realize, I was like, I think this is a good thing. And I love social media, but I think that we could all do one day a week where we don't have it. I wonder if that, if that sort of fear of missing out has kind of faded away from us a little bit. Um, I hope because so. Because what we've it's discovered that culture. what we're missing is really terrible. Dank so, memes. There was a big shortage of, of memes and gifts. That's like, true. Like it, and, and, you know, I, I love a good dank meme. The danker, right, the better. Right. Um, but I felt it was okay if I missed a couple of them and it, I missed some of the regular garbage going around, it's all right. Wednesday's like a nice day to have an outage for it, too. I feel yeah. like that was it, it was, it was well-timed in the week because, you know, like Monday, you're kind of like catching up on people's like weekends. You have throwback Thursday, uh, you know, maybe like Friday or Saturday, Sunday. You're doing, and now you're, outage Wednesday. Right. I like outage <laughs> I love Wednesday. outage Wednesday. Right. Everyone's going to look forward hashtag to that. Hashtag outage Wednesday. Well, you right. don't need a hashtag, I guess, if it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, where would you post your hashtag? That's what I'm saying. Right? I realize that you don't really need the hashtag for it, yeah. so it's just Outage Wednesday. I mean, I feel like fear of missing out is at least at minimum counterbalanced, if not outweighed, by fear of meeting others. I'm trying to keep the acronym the same way. I mean, I, I just feel as though the people that I encounter on social media increasingly introduce more stress into my life than would otherwise be there. You know, I'll give an example. So, so yesterday, yeah. yesterday, I'm interviewing the actress Jessica Harper about this kind of memoir she's doing in uh, a podcast form. And her father was this very violent guy with this really weird temper. And I mean, at one point, there's sort of a description of him hitting one of her brothers when the brother is essentially a baby. And so I said, and so your father, you know, hit children when they're way younger than is considered acceptable to hit a child, yeah. assuming you think it's ever acceptable to hit a child. And so this person gets on Twitter and said that I said it was acceptable to hit children. And, and like I, I spent one effort to clear it up and I got another nasty message back and I blocked her. But I thought, why? Why are you on Twitter just trying to correct somebody who didn't even make a mistake? But part of it is your profile is has a, a target on it, kick right? Kick me? Yeah. <laughs> you have a kick me on it because you're – I'm, I'm sure you're obligated to engage at a certain level, 
uh, by the platforms that you're you're working. Well, on, I know, right? I know, I don't know about anybody anybody else here, but I have a one strike rule now. Like if I make an effort to sort of straighten something out with you, and you come back at me, I just block mm-hmm. you. Yeah, That's I don't, I don't feed the trolls. Yeah. I, I have, worked yeah, on a, I worked on a show right. once, and like we were getting, it was like a YouTube series, and we were getting like trolled pretty bad. And I remember the producer had a meeting with us, and you, you know, was like, "Don't feed the trolls, just don't engage. Like we're we'll just delete comments as they come." And uh, I sort of just then adopted that into my into my own life because yeah I mean I for sure like you get comments or you engage in uh accidental dialogue like you post something and people just go go nuts uh one time I went to comment on something and autocorrect betrayed me (laughs) I went to say I agree with Natalie Mm. but like my autocorrect on my phone made me say I agree with Nazis which obviously I don't Mm -hmm. and uh I didn't realize that it had autocorrected I don't know why my phone jumped to that as an autocorrect actually the Nazis did that they actually (laughs) they lobbied uh the autocorrect but it was like obvious there were at least like 10 comments some guy is like yelling at me being like this is not a joke Carolyn not everything is a joke and I was like I don't think this is a joke so, uh, you know, after that, like, I just, just, comments are not a place for me. Caught in that whirlpool. Yeah, I just, I think at some point, I mean, I, like, I need to, I need to do this stuff for work. I need social media as, as part I mean. of having. Mm-hmm. That's the kick we saw yeah. for yeah. you. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I, I can imagine someday just shutting a lot of this down, and I don't think I would miss it at all. I no, mean, I feel like most, most, a lot of the social media interaction I've been having is just people yelling at me about tolls. Right. That's, that's yeah. been my life. Um, and that's that's fine. That's great. I write about tolls. That's okay. But that's if that were to not happen for a day or two, I wouldn't really miss it. Right. So speaking of our, the, are we, are, does anybody else have anything else they want to say about the outage? I feel like the outage really didn't matter, and that should tell us something. Yeah. Um, great. So um, so I think we could kind of segue on. This is a, a, um, a, a topic that you suggested, Susan, and I think there's some interesting places that we can go. Uh, but uh, there was a piece in The Ringer, I think, talking about what happens uh, if there's a television show that you're watching and you can't find anybody who will talk to you about it because nobody else watches it except you. And you've had that experience. I have. One of my very favorite shows ever is The Middleman. Um, a little show that nobody really watched. It was this cor- so sort of... The fact that we're all looking blank. Yeah, it's like you right guys now is, looking yeah. at me like, what yeah. is this show? We, so, can, we can actually play a little clip uh, of The Middleman. Oh. It's 8-2, I think, just to get people in a kind of middleman kind of mood. Wendy Watson's life was falling apart. You're breaking up with me for a class project? <laughs> and since she can't save herself, she might as well save the world. I happen to be a pacifist. They fight evil so you don't have to. You're getting paid more than nine an hour for this job, right? The new original series, The Middleman, premieres Monday, June 16th, only on ABC Family. Trippy. Susan actually started doing a little happy dance in her seat. I did. When I did. I'm so excited. Uh, and of course, the, the last thing you heard there was ABC Family. Yeah. That was problem number one for that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sort of a comic book, fun, zany kind of a thing. Um, and ABC Family was just the wrong network for that to be on. Um, it was it was smashed between shows that were it was stuck between shows that were really very very different in tone. Um, it was it was awkward. It was strange for it to be there. And this was before streaming was really widely available. So when, people weren't streaming. When was this show? About 2010, I think 20, 2008, something mm. like that. Uh, so it was right on the cusp, right right when streaming was becoming more popular. Um, but for whatever reason, nobody picked up on this show. I thought it was hilarious. One, my one friend who also liked the show thought it was hilarious. Um, 
and we still quote it back and forth, but nobody else watched it. <laughs> so unfortunately, that's, you know, I would mention this show to people and they're like, what? What show is this? And I said, oh, it's on ABC Family. And like, really? <laughs> you can never offend that friend now. You, you guys are bonded. That's right. It's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. No, the yeah. bonds of fire. Yeah. Um, well, somewhere there's on the, on the interwebs, speaking of social media, there's a middleman discussion board or something. I don't think you want to be on that board. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, okay. but, I, but I think – but it's there, I oh, think. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's always fan communities. You can absolutely find them. All fan communities are in one way or another horrible. Mm. Um, but I'm sure that it's out there and I'm sure that they're, they're great. There has to be a Reddit, subreddit. Oh, God, subreddit, I'm sure that right? there is. You don't want to be the there either. Reddit. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, well, before we went on the air, one of you, I guess you were saying you go to a dinner party and people say, what are you watching? Well, Jim said it, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I get, you get that question all the time. And it's sort of like, it's, it's small talk that people, right. you know. In lieu of weather. Right. Yeah. And it is kind of a, I don't know, for me, it's like a really stressful question because I, I watch like the lowest common denominator shows that are out there. Like, like what are you watching right now? The Bachelor. Oh, he's just baiting me into this. All right. Ready? I watch Real Housewives of New York and yeah. Naked and Afraid. Um, <laughs> Dear God. I know. Those are, those are two different shows, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Actually, if those could combine. Yeah. Um, but so when when we were emailing, we, you know, we had one of the naked and afraid guys in here. We did a sh- shut up, really. We, we had wow, the guy. I that. We had the he was on, he might have been on the first season. He was the guy who killed the snake. He killed the oh, snake. Oh, yeah. And he was sort of a jerk. I mean, he was like he played a jerk on the show, and he kind of was. was sl- well, no, I mean, he was aware that he had to accentuate his right. Jerkiness. Yeah. See, this is the kind of conversation yeah. that you know. It's like middleman or something like that. I can have this conversation with. I've never actually watched the show except to watch that guy's episode. But, yeah, I, but we're having a conversation place. right now. Right, anyways, and, and naked and afraid point. is actually. I, I thought it's it's an interesting it's an interesting show. Um, uh, Can't you do that in the privacy of your own home though? Be naked and afraid. Yeah. Yes. Do you do you is have, it really a show? Do you have any need to talk to people about it? I guess that's the real question. I mean, I guess if like somebody, if I found out somebody else was watching it, for mm-hmm. sure, like that would open up a, a dialogue and maybe like a conversation that would have ended with me just awkwardly walking away. At least has, uh, <laughs> at least <laughs> becomes a more pleasant experience. You should check Facebook right now. Right. <laughs> well, I hopefully mean, hopefully there's an outage. <laughs> those are both really popular shows, though. So. Right. So I feel like there are that a lot of the shows that I watch that are kind of embarrassing. I think a lot of other people watch and don't like talk about because they aren't they aren't like highbrow. Like you don't feel like you know you're not like proud to be watching Naked and Afraid or something. Um, but I, this made me think of there are a couple of shows that I remember when I was watching them when they were first on. Mm-hmm. People weren't into. Like, way back, Arrested Development. Like, mm-hmm. I watched that when that was on air. And I feel like at the time, people weren't as much. I mean, obviously, because it got canceled. And then when it got onto streaming, you know, when it's a, like that, I feel, changed that show. Like, it had it got a whole new second life out of that. Um, and then they tried to bring it back, which I right. think was a mistake. And also uh, the comeback with Lisa Kudrow. I feel like I was a huge fan, right? But a lot of people didn't. Again, that wasn't a highly watched show, but it was a brilliant show. It was like ten minute episodes sometimes, though, wasn't it? We need to play a clip of something right now. Oh no! Uh, play a three. I don't. <laughs> I've lost my document. I don't know what it is, but it's an important clip. Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to my trailer on the studio lot. Come on in. I've been cast in an HBO show. Is this on? HBO is making a series about Holly G and an erotic older sitcom actress. What? 
I'm not happy with you. That's not right. Well, you read the script, and here you are. It'd be great to hear you read it. HBO offered me a part in seeing Red. We're back on TV. Well, no, it's not TV. It's, they don't do that anymore, do they? Oh, no. I don't want people to see me like this. This is Liz Novosny from the New York Times. Not easy being green. <laughs> so I, one reaction I'm having to this conversation is, why are we having this conversation? No, the, the reaction I'm having to this conversation is, you know, there was a time not that long ago where humanity or at least American humanity could be divided up into people who watched Seinfeld and people who didn't. You know, I mean, there, just, there weren't that many choices and, and there were these kinds of shows. I worked in an office where everybody, but not including me, would come in after 30-something and I'll talk about what happened on 30-something. And But now we live in an era where because the platforms are so multifarious, there are so many different choices. You know, it's not that I don't like Lisa Kudrow. I really do like Lisa Kudrow, but I would never watch that show because I just wouldn't, you know. And I think it's one of those pro- – but I think it's – well, it's a problem. For a TV show to win you over these days, it has to work so much harder uh, and and, and t- for it to accumulate a big enough following so that you could find somebody to talk to you about it, it, it really – I think it has to – oddly enough, it's become harder. Well, I think there's be, so be that much. Yeah. There are just so many more. Not only do you have like network TV and cable, now you have Amazon Prime, Hulu, YouTube Red, Netflix. So there's just so many platforms to have – shows on that it's like overwhelming like you can find just obscure things and maybe they take off and maybe they don't i just think it's like it's an oversaturated market it reminds me of the publishing industry actually it's like trying to get attention for your book at this point where there's just so many there's so many choices uh there are so many publishers both small and large and self it's it's very difficult to be heard above all of the noise and the things that get buzz, sometimes it seems completely random. You know, so really good things can get overlooked. Uh, really iffy things can get a lot of buzz and get a lot of marketing, and who knows why. So I think it's like that, um, where it's very hard to find people who like the same books that you do. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. So I think we're kind of heading that way with TV because there's just so much. It might be the same with music, too. Anything mm. where there's just like the spigots are everywhere, and there's... That's actually not the name of a band. We should make that clear. It is now. (laughs) Right now, there's an indie band forming. The spigots are everywhere. But there is, you know, like the top 10 shows that they just throw money at to get them there, sort of like you would do to get your kid into college. And now there's the same thing with music. There's the top 10 that they play. But then underneath that is billions of songs that Mm -hmm. are trying to be heard, billions of books. Right. I actually had that conversation back when I was a little bit more active as a writer with my literary agent. Uh, I said to her, well, Warner Books wants to meet with me about this project. What should I say to them? I asked my agent. And she said, you should ask them why anybody should care about your book when there's thousands and thousands and thousands of books being published every year and people don't care about most of them. And I said, aren't Asians supposed to be more inspiring? Aren't you, like, supposed to? <laughs> they are. <laughs> you supposed to say something that's going to make me really feel a little bit better about stuff. Um, and, you know, another thing that is in the piece that Susan directed us to, the piece in The Ringer, uh, is a, a, another layer of this is that a lot of these shows that people may decide to adopt as personal darlings sit behind various kinds of paywalls. Um, Somebody recently sent me a whole list of great shows that I should be watching, but some of them are on Acorn. I think I'm going to have to pay even more money to get 
acorn, whatever acorn is. Uh, and um, another one that was mentioned that was sort of the key to the piece is uh, The Good Fight, which is uh, Christine Baranski's kind of The Good Wife sequel. But it's sitting behind that CBS All Access uh, paywall. I don't know. Why do they call it CBS All Access when, in fact, we don't have access to it? Uh, same place that the new Star Trek series is sitting behind. So uh, let's, uh, let's hear a little bit from The Good Fight. This firm keeps working because we don't look at certain things. We don't pick at certain scabs. Work has me thinking. About? Men and what they do. <laughs> What's going on? Something's changed. We all feel it. Things don't happen at this firm without a reason. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to do what it takes. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought the DVDs of The Good Fight for my significant other because she likes that whole sort of franchise and she loved The Good Wife and we've been watching a little bit of uh, The Good Fight. But Jim, increasingly a lot of these things are uh, operating on another business strategy which is instead of calling it CBS All Access or CBS No Access, they should call it CBS. We're betting you'll forget to cancel us. Because like the whole strategy, right, is that you're going to take the subscription, you're going to gobble up the stuff that you want, and then you're going to cancel out. But I, how many people have that kind of discipline? Uh, recently, me. You? But, but for the yeah. first time ever. Uh, so we're, we're on our new austerity program. And so we, we peeled our cable way back and put in new Wi-Fi. You're on the cable uh, keto diet? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, protein only. Protein and conspiracies only. <laughs> um, but what in its place now is Roku, right. which is now you have to decipher that. And then Roku, you're adding other platforms. Right. So it's becoming complicated. It, it turned me a little bit into a guy saying, get off my lawn. I mean, Roku is that problem, right? Because the Roku immediately, you have to decide, are you going to do HBO now? Are you going to do Showtime? Are you going to do Stars? Are you going to do Acorn? You looked at me like you knew what Acorn was. I do. It's, yeah. it's British TV. Yeah. And I love British TV. Do you have Acorn? I don't have Acorn. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, I what if I haven't paid money Acorn? for it. <laughs> yeah, if I, could, if I could get it, you know, for less money, I would. Um, but I've, I've had a Roku and nothing else for probably about five, six years, maybe longer at this point. Um, and yeah, you get to that point where you have to choose between platforms. Do you Since do consultations? I do consultations and they're, they're pricey though. There's, yeah. there's, there is somebody who, there is some service now where they'll go in and they'll cancel stuff for you. That's nice. Uh, so I probably need that as it came out recently. So I was on the nose where we talked about that new Star Trek and yeah. I signed up for, we had to like sign up for CBS All Access and it was like a free, you know, seven day trial. <laughs> and obviously here we are like a year or more later and I'm still paying for CBS All Access. I literally haven't watched it since the two or three episodes of Star Trek I watched. How much you pay? I have, that's the worst it's part. It's like $5.99 Yeah, I, I didn't even know. I just, every so often I'll like be going through like a statement of my credit card and I'm like, oh, oh, I have to cancel that and I don't do it because it's, it's not quite enough money to be worth going through the hassle. Well, yeah, no. It, and the one I, thing you didn't write down when you signed up was how you were going to cancel it, right? So the only connection you have to CBS All Access at this point is you look on your credit card and there it is. Right. But you don't. I you, don't think I even all, know the password. No, you, to I like, guarantee you, you don't know your password. You. So that you don't know your password. You don't know how to get onto CBS All Access, but you're paying for it and you also don't know how to cancel it. Yeah. I mean, what a business model. Yeah, this is like the best it's business the best model scam. in the world. They're counting on people like me whose lives are just that that, that like discombobulated that they and you know you have like just enough 
that like you, you don't really care about that six dollars a month. I am exactly the the weakling target, and I have a Roku TV, and I have signed up for like so many things on that. Most of them, I mean, not pay, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like weird ones where you can watch like TV shows like Mr. Belvedere from like the Ooh, 80s. Yeah, nice. I don't even know what I'm doing. Why am I admitting to this stuff? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I right. have I have so much stuff that I, I'm actually looking for reasons to use some of it because. I feel like, well, I'm paying for this thing. I should find some shows on this thing, which leads to me watching very strange anime in the middle of the night on Hulu. Yeah. Right. So are you paying more because you just keep aggregating on Roku? And she hasn't Not even, yet. She hasn't Not even yet. gotten Acorn yet. No, right. exactly. We yeah. have to take a break. We have to uh, take a break while we sign up for some more TV subscription services we don't want. Uh, we're going <laughs> to come back. We're going to talk about Captain Marvel. I'd like to say that the entire summary of the preceding segment of the show is we have a lot of things that we occupy our time with and sometimes pay for and we don't like any of them, (laughs) whether it's (laughs) Facebook, Twitter, (laughs) stuff on TV. We are actually living in hell right now. And it's disguised as paradise. I would would also like to announce that one season, the one and only season of The Middleman is available on DVD and you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon Prime. uh, And then you can be friends with Susan Bigelow because she would like very much to talk to you about it. Be friends with me. And you have to watch it first. You can't just buy it. All right. So we did go off to the movies this weekend. We went on this week anyway. We saw Captain Marvel. It's the new Obviously, movie in the Marvel Universe. It stars the wonderful, always wonderful Brie Larson, uh, and so and it Samuel Jackson preternaturally. You, you, I don't know. I mean, they made him look really young. I don't know how they did that. Uh, as Nick Fury, and let's hear a little bit uh, of dialogue between the two of them. Oh, oh, you want to get personal? Where were you born? Huntsville, Alabama, but technically I don't remember that part. Name your first pet. Mr. Snoofers. Mr. Snoofers. That's what I said. Did I pass? Not yet. First job? Soldier. Straight out of high school. Left the ranks of full bird colonel. Then? Spy. Where? It was the Cold War. We were everywhere. Uh, Belfast, Bucharest, Belgrade, Budapest. I like the bees. I can make them ride. Now? Been riding the desk for the past six years, trying to figure out where our future enemies are coming from. Never occurred to me they would be coming from above. Name a detail so bizarre a scroll could never fabricate it. Toast is cut diagonally, I can't eat it. You didn't need that, did you? No, no I didn't, but I enjoyed it. Okay, your turn. Prove you're not a scroll. Of course, all of you uh, listening uh, know that scrolls uh, are uh, shapeshifters who can assume the form of anybody they see. And so the reason you have to ask somebody a lot of questions is to make sure they're not one of those scrolls. I will say I actually laughed out loud at the diagonal toast line. <laughs> and this movie is not one completely devoid of wit. Uh, and it has other things to recommend it as well, I think, anyway. So, uh, Jim, maybe I'll, we'll start out with you and just sort of give us your, your thumbnail impression. Um, in keeping with my... Uh my nose learned tradition of not reading anything about a movie uh, so I can go in with no expectations. I did that. Although I was aware of the sort of trolling against this movie. So 
I wasn't expecting much, but I came out really, really liking it. I don't know if I love it, but I, I really liked it. Right. Um, and we should talk a little bit more about the trolling later. Yet another reason to shut down the internet for a day a week just right. to make those people go away. Uh, and I don't even quite understand why they exist in the first place or why they would be so frightened by the idea of a woman carrying one of these uh, superhero movies. But um, Susan, I'm going to keep Grumpy Cat here for the end. Uh, so Susan, what did you think? I mean, I really loved it. Um, but I am actually a big fan of the Captain Marvel comics. I have quite a number of them. Um, and I should say that there's this... I really like the Captain Marvel movie because they made her backstory so much simpler. And if you watch the movie, you're like, that that was the simple version? Yeah, that's no. not that simple. Yeah, uh-huh. but it's so much worse in the comic books. <laughs> it's so much worse. Uh, it's just this tortured thing where this character has to go through all these different... Anyway, uh, you know, you, believe me, you don't want to know about it. Uh, but I thought that the movie was, was really great, sort of the spirit of the comic books. They got the character perfectly. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was, uh, you know, it was sort of comic book fun. It was great. Uh, you have a lot of great special effects. I thought that the story was, you know, it was okay. The story was was not bad, but the characters really carried it for me. And I got to tell you, I loved all of the 90s references and all the 90s music. Yeah, so it's set in about 1995. I think one thing, I, I can only say this to you, I think, among the people on the show, but there's a way in which also it, this sh- this show, this movie, backs up to 1995 and kind of takes one little jigsaw piece of this extraordinarily complicated Marvel story that has been unfolding in the Avengers movies and lots of other movies too and just kind of drops it in. And I'm not even a good enough Marvel nerd to exactly see it all, but it's kind of like you're watching something happen in 1995 and you're kind of going, oh yeah, so I know that connects to this and this and then Guardians of the Galaxy. And you know, there's there's a way in which the, there's some connection being made there if you know enough to know what's happening. Right. And of course, you can enjoy the movie without knowing all the connections. And not even I know all of the connections. There's there's about 5,000 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies at this point. I haven't watched them all. Um, I've only seen like a, a small number of them, actually. But I know enough about the backstory that I know oh, this, is, this connects to that and that connects to that. But you can actually go into this movie completely new and having seen none of it. And it will still, like 95%, it will make sense and it's fine. Now for an opposing view. Okay, so the keto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the the this I have seen a fair amount of Marvel movies thanks to doing this radio yes, show. Never volitionally. Yes. No, I don't think I've ever seen one been like you know, just gone for fun. Um so this this one though I wasn't I I didn't think was like as awful as some of them at, um for me. This this did That's suffer That's a pull quote. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Guardian. Not this did suffer from that that case where it's like essentially a two hour long trailer for a whole other movie coming out, which you know to me when you're not like part of this when you're not really into okay they're like all ready they're glaring at me ready to attack. I'll tell you what we're I did shaking like shaking our heads is what we're doing. <laughs> well, yeah, Jim, that was a little more menacing, but um, I I did like the music. I I thought a battle scene to no doubts. Uh, I'm just a girl was something that we've always needed, um, and the cat, the feline actor, was spectacular. Uh, I really thought he was a standout, and if Marvel came out with a whole movie based around Goose the cat, I would willingly go see that. There were people sitting behind me who worried the cat was being shaken too much. 
No, I I, I feel like You're I pick animal up activists. my cat and yeah. shake him. I don't know. <laughs> don't say that. Yeah. Don't. You're gonna get that. dragged on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah. No, but I I did like the cat. I thought Samuel L. Jackson was really fun. I liked his scenes with the cat. Um, so that was kind of where I stood on it. Like I I, it was it was a moderately fun way to pass two hours. I guess. I mean, I, the, 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 <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> uh, I actually thought this movie was pretty good. And, I and did too. I mean, I actually thought I, I actually, first of all, I love Brie Larson. I, I first encountered her in a, uh, I walked into a New York movie theater not knowing too much about a movie called Short Term 12, uh, and which was really kind of the movie that gave her a, a starring vehicle. And she was just tremendous. And I loved her in room and I'd see her do almost anything. And I think she really does. I mean, there's just some acting that you can put into some of these roles anyway. And, and I think she actually does do this. I mean, there is, she has yeah. to sell a rather unique concept of who she is, what herself is. And it's, you know, I mean, a lot of these Marvel roles, are just kind of a lot of wisecracking, but she has to do something different here. And I think she does, no, does it really, you know really what? well. She was, she was great. And I, when I was watching, I was thinking how, like, if I was like a young kid and saw this movie, I would totally, you know, be, I, I would like want to be her for Halloween. You know, like she is, I think she is like a great, like she's a strong female character. She's cool. Like I, I, and I thought she did a great job portraying it. And, and maybe, uh, I, I know I'm stepping here, but um, I personally have been suffering from Marvel fatigue, mm-hmm. uh, particularly after Infinity Wars, which I think is still going on in my head. It was right. the longest, most leaden thing. And now... Well, it is still... I don't know if you stayed all the way through the credits, but it is going, still going on in, in Captain Marvel. Right, right. I, I always stay for the eggs. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> I think this was like a palate cleanser for me. Like kind of like, oh, these can be good too. They're not just these leaden, thumpy, thump movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we are so, somewhere near peak Marvel. And, and I felt sort of <laughs> the same way about Infinity Wars that, okay, they're, they've, they're showing us everything that they can and they're just going to have to regroup somehow like two or three years down the road. But I don't know. This movie had a kind of intelligence to it. And, and I think the nostalgia really did help with the nostalgic music. She's wearing a Nine Inch Nails T-shirt for, you know, large chunks oh, of the movie. Oh, the blockbuster. Her cla- exactly. crashing into blockbuster. Blockbuster. And then looking at certain movies, including The Right Stuff, which I thought was yeah. funny. She's holding up the box set of The Right Loading Stuff. Up the CD-ROM. And, yeah. 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 And yes, uh, looking up things on Alta Vista <laughs> yes. and having to wait a long time for the blue bar and stuff. I, I, I don't know. I thought they did some stuff with it that would have been entertaining even if it weren't a Marvel Comics Universe movie. No, it's true. Um, yeah, uh, this is sort of the only 90s kids will get this sort of uh, movie. It's, it was wonderful. Um, and people of my age can sit there in the audience and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember the Alta Vista. And hey, look, they're driving that Chevy that some cops had. And it's, it's yeah, all these, this great stuff. So the nostalgia factor absolutely did help. But, you know, I think that the character... Uh, Captain Marvel is just, she's sort of refreshing in the Marvel universe anyway, because, yes, she's ultra-powerful, wisecracking, great. Uh, But she's also a female character that doesn't wear a ridiculous costume um, (laughs) that shows way too much skin. Um, She's really confident, really, she doesn't have like a, a, a sort of a distaff counterpart of herself. Um, She doesn't have like, 
you know, Mr. Marvel or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, so she's not part of another, a large. Mr. Force. Incredible is getting divorced, though, and he's started, <laughs> yeah, he started there, to there date her. So, so uh, she stands on her own, and it's perfect in a lot of ways. I, I have a technical question. You might know it. Does she need air? No, when she goes into space, she actually has a mask that comes down. Yeah, uh, so I was really concerned about some of the. <laughs> but you see, yeah, the mask comes down, and that, that she's got like the cool Greek thing on but her. Does that suit yeah, yeah, like right, keep right. her from like burning during re-entry into the Earth atmosphere? Too? I think just her amazing coolness keeps her from yeah, burning yeah, up on cool. re-entry. Yeah, <laughs> at some point, I just am going to be like. All right, I'm just going to let that happen. Right, right, right. Um, which you have just, to do, right? Yeah, suspension of disbelief. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the movie. Um, I guess that's where I went wrong. <laughs> Forgot to suspend my disbelief. Well, well there's, here. there's also, uh, by the way, I'm being told by the control booth that uh, Nine Inch Nails is now selling a t shirt that is subtly a Captain Marvel shirt right now. So. Trent Reznor is capable Smart. of diving right into the commercial pool like everybody else. So, um, you know, and another thing about this, and we can't really say that much about it, and it kind of depends on you either – well, it depends on either, either not knowing certain things or not thinking very much about certain things. And when I saw this movie, I was in a tremendous amount of back pain and I wasn't really thinking all that carefully. So I, I, it worked for me. But there's a turn in this movie. This movie actually, unlike a lot of Marvel movies, has a pretty major turn. You know, and, and and I thought that worked well, too, that there was, like, something that I hadn't really thought through very carefully. Um, and, I mean, you probably knew it was coming, but I'm pointing at Susan. But, yes. Yeah. Um, but, but it was still good. There's I, a surprise. I, I loved that. Yeah. Because yeah. up to that point, it's like, oh, this is going to be an origin story, and uh, we're going to just kind of progress linearly through her story. So that, that was a really nice sort of uh, uh, turn of events. All right. So, is there anything else we need? Well, we have we have a few more minutes. If if we anybody, I, I we should we should talk about the trolling. We should talk a little bit about the trolling campaign. Yes. Yes. So there was we, a, yeah. Go ahead. Do, sure. Can I just say yeah. Uh, the aliens. I could have used maybe a little bit more upscale makeup attention. You didn't. You didn't like the. Well, the it was a little bit like Halloween mask stuff. Given the how good everything else was, I thought like. You could you could up your game a little bit here, but that's a minor complaint. They looked like the Bat Boy from the uh, the Weekly World News. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, we should, we should talk about the fact that there were people who knows who they are or what they're like in cell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, the who are so threatened by the idea of this movie that they started trying to destroy it even before it was released, forcing Rotten Tomatoes to actually change their rules for for user comments. Uh, and uh, to be a little bit more careful about screening what was happening. But there was actually a campaign, a digital campaign going on to hurt this movie. And, and I'm wondering, like, what kind of person? I mean, For, I guess I sort of know what kind of person. 4chan, 8chan, the, those guys that were upset that it was a woman who could kick their butts this time. And, and, and would never date them. Yeah, no, never. No. Uh, but it's it's almost like some of them are ironic about it. Some of them are really serious about it. And it's really impossible to tell the difference between the people who are just doing it for the lulls and the people who are like really actually serious about destroying stuff. Um, they're just people who want to watch the world burn again. But this is this trolling is not a new thing. This has been going on for oh, yeah. lots of woman-led Game, it's, movies. It's Gamergate all over too. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. yeah, Gamergate was one of the genesis points of, of this. Um, 
and you can you can draw a straight line right from Gamergate to the election of Donald Trump. Right. There's and, and same from Gamergate people. to the attacks on the, some of the more recent Star Wars uh, characters, yep. uh, female characters that people didn't like. The destruction of Ghostbusters. The destruction of Ghostbusters. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't, and I, I, I had an, another reason to think about it because Vulture, the division of New York Magazine, did a thing this week where they ranked twelve different. I guess there have really been that many Star Trek captains uh, in terms of their competency, and they ranked number one. Captain Janeway, uh, that rare woman Star Trek. And I thought, I've got to read the comments. I've got to read the comments just so I can see <laughs> right. these guys. And they were there. You oh, know, yeah. Like they're, oh, no, she's the worst. She's the worst of the 12. She's horrible. She's this. She's that. Uh, and I just don't get it. I mean, no. I get it, but I don't get it. There's nothing wrong with Captain Janeway. She was great. Uh, her series was poorly written. Um, but, you know. I think that the the case was made that she was very competent and very cool-headed and the situation that she was in I think it's it's reasonable but no there's people who are going to get un, unbelievably mad about this stuff. I will always have a soft spot for uh, Captain Janeway because Kate Mulgrew who played her was in this studio and she w- she was in the middle of a run playing Cleopatra and as a result she was in a very seductive mode. So she uh, praised me constantly in, in a way that was, you know, completely artificial and uncalled for, but which felt very nice. Naked from. and unafraid. I was naked. <laughs> you know, I was clothed and afraid. Uh, all right. Anyway, we have to stop here. Um, and somebody's telling me I've got to read the comments is never the right impulse. Never a good idea. Probably true. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. for the credits, but first I have to say a little about my backstory as Dr. Remarkable. Actually, people always pronounce it that way, but it's actually Remarkable, which is how they said it on my home planet, Hala, from which I was exiled by Conan the Usurper. But I turned out to be a human Screezeric hybrid, but I'm also Scottish on my mother's side, and I have powers which I was not aware of until the day the Slore invaded the planet Kobek. Many Shubs and Zools knew what it was like to be roasted in the depths of the Slore that day. I can tell you. Anyway. Kayon, are you almost done? Because we need the studio. Okay, look, the point is... I've actually forgotten what the point is. Today's show was produced by General McPants and me, Kayon Wolf. Amanda Fish is not in this movie. The part of Bill Curry was played by Annette Benning. On Monday's show is the American meritocracy a myth. And now... Back to Colin. That was an amazing cameo by Carmen Baskoff. Um, I like having Carmen Baskoff cameos on this show so much I'm making excuses uh, to have them happen. All right. Time to make some recommendations. Uh, Susan Bigelow, why don't you get us going here? So um, I'm recommending today there's a great show called My Cat from Hell. That's what I'm watching. Right? <laughs> wait, he asked wait a me, minute. Carolyn gave up the rights to that title? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, it's it's well, a, your cat from hell. Actually, is no longer with us. Anyway. My cat is in hell, back yeah. where she. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Don't tell me this. No, she had this horrible cat that would bite people. <laughs> yeah, no, she told me. Um, yeah, it sounds bad. But this is a show about a guy who uh, named Jackson Galaxy. Who actually he's a cat behaviorist, um, but he's also this big sort of tattooed guy with, with like a cool beard and an amazing car, and he he carries he has a guitar case that he carries cat toys in. It's 
great. Uh, so he goes around to people who have cats that have all kinds of problems, like they scratch them and they they pee on the floor and they they're horrible. And he goes and he works with the cats and he works with the people, and it's it's nice, it's wholesome because at the end. Everybody's happy. The cat is in a great place. The and where, humans where, are feeling good. Where do good. we see this show? This was it. It runs if you want to actually watch it over the air. It's on Animal Planet, yeah. uh, streaming in a bunch of different places. Okay. He actually does still. Jackson Galaxy sells cat toys, hmm. and I actually have to say, they're surprisingly good. Like right. Our cats like them. Caesar Milan for cats, basically. Basically. <laughs> okay. So but before Jim goes, I want to uh, quickly uh, say on his behalf, the third annual Indivisible Shinola's concert at Infinity Hall is going to be May 5th at 5 p.m. I've done this in the past. It's really, really fun. Uh, it raises uh, money for great, for important causes. Guests this year include Jonathan Edwards, Christine Ullman, Tang Sauce, Winter pills. It's not the winter pills. And they will smash their equipment on stage if you put that the. I might do it just to see that. They'll go nuts, yeah. Uh, Nikita Waller, who's our uh, Connecticut troubadour, Carrie Powers, Marcarelli, Kat Wallace, John Pusett, Dark, Dennis Brennan. This is really fun. And one of the amazing things about it, I can say this and Jim can't, is watching Jim and his band turn themselves into a hip hop band and then a country band and then whatever comes up next band. And Jim is running all over the stage calling out keys and stuff. And it's really fun, uh, but they do it. They 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 do it incredibly. So um, so stake out. Uh, you're going to need the the whole afternoon and evening uh, of May fifth for this really fun thing. But what do you want to recommend? I I don't. I think we should end the show right there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, uh, I'm going to sort of half heartedly recommend Afterlife, <laughs> the uh, the new Ricky Gervais uh, six part series about grieving and uh, an excuse for Ricky. Gervais to be both horrible and nice. Um, I think I liked it because I've been laid up, as you can tell by my voice, uh, and spent a couple of days in bed thinking, like, I got to do something more than watch Game of Thrones reruns. And so I found this little show, and it's uh, – I don't know what to say about it. If you like Ricky Gervais, it's it's a nice way to, to see him. Um, and then on a much more uh, – uh, Easy note for everybody around here. There's Barb's Pizza is back. Hmm. It's in West Hartford Center, tucked behind the CVS. Um, and it's really, really good. And sometimes you just need a really good slice, reasonably priced, really nice people. And uh, I'm for it. All right. Barb's Pizza. Pizza and maybe Ricky Gervais. Uh, and Carolyn, what have you got? All right. I also have a uh, local food recommendation. Um, Donut Crazy, which is now in West Hartford. Uh, bear with me. <laughs> they have donuts Woo. that are literally, I, I mean, it's it'll it's like a s'mores on a donut or uh, like an entire. It has like they have candy on top and. Is it keto? Uh, yes, a yes, keto it for yeah. sure is. Knowing what keto, yeah, um, it, it it's just they're really fun and like if you're gonna have like an indulgent breakfast or you know want to like kickstart your day or you know um <laughs> i it, it, it they're really they're good um so Briefly i kickstart your day and then collapse into a coma <laughs> right if you want to like have a one real, really productive a real breakfast of champions is Sounds getting good. a donut from donut crazy and then taking a nap at 11 o'clock after eating it mm-hmm. um <laughs> so that uh that is what i want to endorse also um i know i'm like a little late on this uh i mean i watched it a while ago but the Fire Festival documentaries mm-hmm. on Netflix and Hulu. If you haven't watched them, um, you should definitely watch them because you will be at a social event and someone will start talking about them or referencing them. And it's they're just wild. 
Uh, so for sure, they are worth the watch, both of them, too, because they kind of they take different approaches and uh, are fascinating angles on a total hilarious disaster. Um, well, I have been in sort of a grumpy mood about pop culture. And then on Saturday, my son and I went to um, the beautiful Jim, James Hanley-inspired Trinity Cine Studio to watch uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And it is – oh, are we doing it next week on the nose? Should I not be talking about it? It's so – it really is one of the most amazing things I've seen in years. Uh, it is – and the animation of this thing is at a level I've never seen animation. The concept itself is kind of a brilliant concept. The voice roles are really un- unbelievably well cast, including uh, John Mulaney as something I can't even talk to you about because it would wreck it. Um, but uh, this is – yeah, the credits are – Wolfie's helping me out here with this. The credits – Credits at the end are amazing. I mean, I just sat there going, I mean, if if at the end of this thing, we went to an afternoon show, if James had walked out on stage and said, you know what, we're just going to start it up all over again, I would have just sat there uh, and watched it all over again because there's also just quite a bit of material coming at you visually. Uh, and, and, Is it and still play? It's not there. You know, it's playing at a few, at a few sc- uh, screens still. And, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, it really does deserve to be seen on really good equipment. Uh, maybe we could find out if James would consider bringing it back because <laughs> that's a great way to see it. But I guess if you have a really good system at home or something, <laughs> you could probably do a pretty good job with it. I, I, I've, I haven't been as excited about something in, in really quite a long time. So this, it's into the Spider-Verse. It's, uh, I don't want to say too much about it because you just really kind of need to see it. And I'll, we'll also do a quick shout out here at the end of the show uh, to Hal Blaine, who died recently at the age of 90. He was from Hartford. He was the great session drummer of the Wrecking Crew. Uh, so many songs that you love feature a Hal Blaine beat on them. So, And we had this big plan to interview him, and we never did it. So, <laughs> But it, like, we had good intentions for years that we were going to do a Hal Blaine show. 